Listener discretion is advised. This episode features discussions of anti-Semitism that may be upsetting. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. As the Ottoman and Austro-Hungarian empires dissolved in the wake of World War I, many of the newly autonomous regions were swept up in nationalism. For the first time in their respective histories, these nations had the chance to choose their own governments. Ambitious nationalists saw the post-war political chaos as an opportunity to seize power, even if it meant embracing new authoritarians. But once these dictators were in power, Europe descended into a second world war. Joseph Stalin had powerful allies in the United States and Britain, but Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini had lesser-known allies of their own in places like Slovakia, Croatia, and Romania. These dictators never achieved the same infamy of their fascist brethren, but they still governed with an iron fist. Some merely aligned with the Axis powers during the war to fight a common enemy. But others fully embraced the evil of Nazi ideals and gladly participated in history's greatest crime, the Holocaust. Welcome to Dictators, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Richard. And I'm Kate. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This season, we're looking at lesser-known World War II dictators who allied with the Axis powers. These strongmen included Slovakia's Josef Tiso, Romania's Jan Antonescu, and Japan's Hideki Tojo, among others. This week, we begin our study of Slovak president Josef Tiso. Tiso was a Catholic priest and staunch advocate for Slovak nationalism. For 20 years, he fought for Slovak autonomy within Czechoslovakia, fluctuating back and forth between being a moderate and an authoritarian. Next week, we'll explore Tiso's relationship with Adolf Hitler as Slovakia transforms into a Nazi puppet state, and how Tiso became one of Hitler's worst collaborators in the Holocaust. We'll head to the declining Austro-Hungarian Empire right after this. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. By the fall of 1918, the Austro-Hungarian Empire was standing on its last leg after four years of war. Along with the other central powers, Germany and the Ottomans, the empire had experienced a wave of military defeats, massive economic crises, and a loss of faith in leadership. 
Austria-Hungary was an extremely diverse empire. The Hungarian region alone included distinct Czech, Magyar, and Slovak populations. But starting in 1848, the entire empire was ruled by the Austrian monarch, Emperor Franz Joseph, and many ethnic Hungarians called Magyars despised Austrian rule. World War I weakened the Austrian grip on power, and in the aftermath, Magyar nationalists seized the opportunity to declare independence. At the end of October 1918, a revolution broke out which resulted in the First Hungarian Republic. Around the same time, Czech and Slovak nationalists declared their own independence from the empire. They joined together to form Czechoslovakia, a new republic in which both ethnic groups would have equal autonomy. The Austro-Hungarian Empire was over, and the region was mired in territory disputes between the two new governments. Even though the new republics had formed along ethnic lines, many towns had mixed Hungarian, Czech, and Slovak populations living together. Loyalty to these new governments was a constant battle, sometimes literally in the streets. Along with the fighting over disputed territory, a cultural war was brewing. One of the most contentious points was religion. The majority of Slovaks were Catholic, while Hungarians were mostly Protestant. In the city of Nitra, one of Slovakia's oldest cities, this battle was particularly heated. Despite the large Slovak population, the city was also Magyarized, which means they'd assimilated into Hungarian culture. As the conflict heated up, the people of Nitra were facing a difficult choice. Which side of the border would they join? On December 1st, during an assembly for the Nitra Christian Social Society, a 31-year-old Catholic priest named Josef Tiso stood and sang, Hail to Slovaks. For many citizens, Tiso's public outburst was a complete shock. Up until this moment, Tiso was known as a Magyarone, an ethnic Slovak who acted like a Hungarian. No one expected him to suddenly embrace Slovak nationalism. But to Tiso, taking this hardline stance was the best way to form a purely Catholic society, a goal he'd been working towards his entire life. Josef Gaspar Tiso was born on October 13, 1887, in the Slovak town of Nogbice. The working-class Tiso family were devout Catholic Slovaks living in an increasingly Magyarized region. Throughout the 1890s, the Hungarian government passed secular legislation that undermined the Catholic influence throughout Slovakia. For example, marriage and baptism were run by the state. According to historian James Mace Ward, many Slovak Catholics believe these laws, quote, debased sacraments and denied that the Catholic Church was a repository for truth. Though the government attempted to hinder a Catholic influence, the Church was the center of young Josef Tiso's life, and it was obvious to everyone in the family that his future involved a clerical collar around his neck. As a teenager, Tiso moved to the city of Nitra to attend seminary. But his religious education didn't stop at the spiritual. He also became involved in Catholic politics. By the end of the 19th century, the Industrial Revolution had sparked a culture war between capitalism and socialism. The Vatican sought to provide an alternative option, Christian socialism. 
At its most basic, Christian socialism advocated for labor unions and cooperatives, but done in the service of creating a Christian society instead of a secular socialist society. The logical endpoint of this philosophy is Christian corporatism, in which Catholic organizations could dictate all matters of labor and capital. To the devout Tiso, this was the ideal society. Thus, he believed priests needed to be actively involved in politics, especially if it meant bringing more power and control to the church. In 1911, Tiso graduated with a doctorate in theology from the University of Vienna and became an ordained priest. For the next few years, he traveled around Hungary as an assistant priest and activist. During this time, he didn't seem to be looking for political advancement yet. His dedication was to his parishioners. Tiso promoted local public projects and organized Catholic labor associations to support workers in his congregation. His most important crusade, though, was fighting alcoholism. Tiso recognized that in some of these primarily Slovak towns, alcoholism was rampant and destroying lives. Unfortunately, Tiso's solution to this issue was blatantly anti-Semitic. He blamed Jews for the problems his parishioners faced, especially alcoholism. It wasn't just Tiso who felt this way. Christian socialism was inherently rooted in anti-Semitism. Many of the businesses throughout Hungary, like taverns, were owned and operated by Jews. According to historian James Mace Ward, by 1910, 70% of independent businessmen and bankers were identified as Jewish. Thus, many of the labor groups that Tiso supported were specifically founded to undercut Jewish businessmen, whom he believed were profiting at the expense of the Slovaks. Tiso even preached about the ills of alcoholism to scare people away from Jewish taverns. However, just a few years into Tiso's rural ministry, his path took a detour when Europe exploded into war. At the outset of World War I, Tiso enlisted as a chaplain in the Hungarian army. On the battlefield, he was still very much a Magyarone, praising the heroism of Hungary's cause. However, his time on the front line was short. After about a year, he was diagnosed with kidney inflammation and sent to Slovenia. While in Slovenia, Tiso met a Jesuit priest who also believed in political activism by the church. This Jesuit advocated for Slovenian nationalism, but Tiso understood the principle could apply to Slovak populations back home, too. Using the Slovenian priest's teachings as a model, Tiso realized he could advance his Catholic cause by infusing it with Slovak nationalism. By melding the two beliefs, Tiso was certain he could build a strong Catholic society in his homeland. After a brief stay in Slovenia, Tiso moved back to Nitra and worked as a professor of religion. He was politically active with various Christian social organizations, writing articles in both Hungarian and Slovakian newspapers. But by the fall of 1918, Tiso knew he needed to pick a side. Austria-Hungary had dissolved, and Nitra became a battleground between Czechoslovakia and Hungary. Initially, Nitra was under Hungarian control, but there was a good chance it would fall to Czechoslovakia. So Tiso decided to hedge his bets and play both sides. During a Christian social assembly on December 1, 1918, 
Tiso declared that he was a Slovak nationalist. By doing so, he freed himself up to work with whoever gained control of Nitra. If Hungary triumphed, he could fall back on his old reputation as a Magyarone. But if Czechoslovakia took over, he could lean into his new Slovak loyalty. Soon word spread throughout Nitra that the Czechoslovakian army was advancing along the border. On December 10th, it would be at the gates of Nitra, and Josef Tiso would be the one who decided its fate. Coming up, Josef Tiso ramps up his anti-Semitic rhetoric. It's October 20th, 2018, one day until the end of the world. I'm on the compound of a secretive religious organization, interviewing a longtime member. Their leader has predicted that tomorrow will be the beginning of the apocalypse. The prediction? Yes, I am prepared. It will purify life from a lot of illusions. When I started working on this story, I was hoping to profile a unique apocalyptic group that had survived through many failed doomsday predictions. But the end of the world was just the beginning. The only way to get to heaven was to allow him sexual activity with me. I didn't specifically give my consent. I was frozen at the time. The angels, they arranged that he is supposed to have sex with his students. He is an amazing teacher, and also he's a sick f This is Revelations, a Spotify original from Parcast, premiering Sunday, October 3rd. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, back to the story. On December 1st, 1918, 31-year-old Josef Tiso declared himself a Slovak nationalist. This was a shock to the locals, because for years he'd been known as a Magyarona, an ethnic Slovak who acted like a Hungarian. However, in the wake of Austria-Hungary's collapse, cities with competing Slovak and Hungarian populations were caught in a whirlwind of turmoil and uncertainty. The very day after Tiso declared his Slovak allegiance, he was elected to the Hungarian National Council in Nitra. Since he had proclaimed his Slovak nationalism, it was assumed that he would support Nitra joining Czechoslovakia. But the truth was, Tiso was still on the fence. These were chaotic times, and for all Tiso knew, the Hungarians could resist the oncoming Czechoslovakian army and keep hold of Nitra. In case that happened, he didn't want to burn his bridges with Hungary. In the days that followed, violence erupted in the streets. Hungarian soldiers abandoned the city as the Czech army approached. Driven, as always, by self-preservation, Tiso decided to officially support Czechoslovakia just as its troops moved in. In the middle of December, and with the blessing of city leaders, Tiso negotiated Nitra's surrender to the Czechoslovakian army. Tiso immediately resigned from Nitra's Hungarian National Council and soon joined the city's Slovak National Council, or SNC. By joining the SNC, Tiso took his first major step toward leading Slovak nationalist politics. He believed he could use the organization to push his Catholic agenda as the new republic formed. But he couldn't have been more wrong. 
During all the excitement in Nitra, another Slovak nationalist took power. His name was Vavro Šrobar, and his actions drew Josef Tiso even deeper into nationalist politics. Šrobar was a well-known doctor and politician. When the new Czechoslovakian government formed in Prague, he was appointed head of the administration of Slovakia. In essence, he became the region's governor. Šrobar knew he was nothing more than a lackey to the Czechs. But he didn't want to lose what little power he did have, so he tried to play nice with the anti-Catholic Czechs. Instead of filling government positions with Catholics, he gave them to Lutherans. More importantly, Šrobar's role as puppet essentially crippled Slovak autonomy. The original agreement between the Czechs and Slovaks stipulated that Slovakia would have its own administration, including a judicial system, all done in the Slovak language. But the Czechs wanted to create a more centralized government that dictated life for all people in Czechoslovakia. And Šrobar and his deputies agreed to this in order to stay in power. They refused to consult with Slovak organizations, including Tiso's SNC, on legislative matters. For Josef Tiso and other Catholics, it was painfully obvious that their interests were not going to be considered by the new government. Something needed to be done. So they turned to the most influential Catholic priest in Slovakia, Andrej Hlinka. A well-known social worker and orator, Hlinka was also a zealous nationalist. In 1913, he was elected as president to the Slovak People's Party, which helped him push his agenda. Members of this hardline party were called Ludaks. After World War I, Hlinka was optimistic about the new Czechoslovakia Republic. However, that optimism quickly faded in light of Vavro Šrobar's policies against Catholic Slovaks. Hlinka believed the survival of Slovakia's national identity was at stake. So on December 19, 1918, he called a meeting to re-establish the dormant Slovak People's Party. Josef Tiso attended that meeting and officially became a Ludak. In Tiso's eyes, no other political party was capable of joining Slovak nationalism with Christian socialism. The Ludaks were exactly what he was looking for. However, old-school Slovak nationalists were weary of Tiso's sudden zeal. They remembered how, until recently, he was a Magyarone. Some were convinced that Tiso would switch sides again for his own personal advancement. Tiso ignored the detractors and quickly proved that he was committed to nationalism. He returned to Nitra and immediately went about Slovakizing the city. He taught in Slovak. He wrote about the Slovak national consciousness. He promoted Slovak culture in music and literature. His work was wholly in service to a Catholic Slovak identity. Unfortunately, this included anti-Semitism, which he used to attack his political enemies. He claimed falsely that the moderately liberal Social Democrats were radical Bolsheviks and that Jews controlled the party. It didn't matter that these claims were untrue. In Tiso's nationalist rhetoric, he conflated liberals and socialists and argued that they were money-hungry capitalists. He also argued that Jews profited from war, all at the expense of the oppressed Slovaks. Throughout 1919, however, 
Tiso and the Ludaks refocused their rhetoric against the Czechs in Slovakia, whom they considered a threat to Slovak heritage and Catholicism. They advocated harder and more publicly for Slovak autonomy. Their hope was to drum up enough support that the Ludaks would win considerable seats in the upcoming parliamentary election, the first election for Czechoslovakia. Tiso campaigned hard for the Ludaks. He held rallies where he promoted anti-Semitic and anti-Czech ideas. He negotiated behind the scenes with other Christian socialist parties to gain votes for Ludaks. If he could create a Catholic voting bloc, it would help their chances at winning seats. Unfortunately for Tiso, it was all for naught. The 1920 election was an embarrassment for the Ludaks. Even in the Slovak regions, the Ludaks only won 17% of the vote. This defeat forced Tiso and the Ludaks to reflect on their next moves. For the party, it meant hardening its rhetoric on Slovak nationalism, anti-Czech policies, and downplaying Catholicism. For Josef Tiso, the election loss inspired him to largely abandon his anti-Semitic policies. But he wouldn't lose his nationalist attitudes, regardless of the consequences. In June 1921, Tiso spoke at a rally which resulted in mob violence. Two years later, a popular Czech chaplain took his own life, and Tiso was blamed for provoking his despair. Tiso was convicted for both incidents. In July 1923, he spent only a few weeks in jail, a relatively light sentence thanks to his status as a priest. By the fall of 1924, Tiso's time in Nitra came to an end. He accepted a post to become the parish priest in the town of Banotse. Tiso saw it as an opportunity. Banotse was fertile ground for nationalist indoctrination. 37-year-old Josef Tiso arrived in Banatse in November 1924 and immediately threw himself into his parish work. His goal was to build up the local chapter of the Ludak party before the next parliamentary elections a year later. In July 1925, Tiso organized Ludak rallies in Banatse that were reminiscent of his previous rallies. His Slovak nationalism was as strong as ever. In one speech, Tiso proclaimed, the nation cannot exist without faith and God, and the Slovak must come first everywhere in Slovakia. This time, Tiso's campaigning worked. In the fall of 1925, the Ludaks dominated at the polls. In fact, now one half of the Slovaks holding seats in parliament were Ludaks, and Josef Tiso was among them. He was headed to Prague, where he could finally spread his nationalism within the halls of parliament. Coming up, Tiso goes to Prague and finds an unlikely ally in Adolf Hitler. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? 
Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Now back to the story. In the fall of 1925, 38-year-old Josef Tiso was elected to Czechoslovakia's parliament. After years of campaigning for Slovak nationalism and Catholic corporatism, Tiso was finally in a seat of power. Now, it was time to use it. However, Tiso and his fellow Ludaks faced a major uphill battle. Among Slovak voters, the radical Ludaks won the majority of available seats, but among the whole republic, they were merely the seventh largest voting group. In order to avoid complete isolation, the party agreed to soften their stance on the issue that they held most dear, Slovak autonomy. The Ludaks decided on a gradual approach, one filled with compromises, as opposed to immediate satisfaction. Not everyone agreed with this approach. Some Ludaks, like the famed nationalist priest Andrei Hlinka, preferred to keep fighting for their original goal of an independent Slovakia. Tiso's campaign work had brought him into contact with Hlinka, who made the younger priest his protege. But the relationship between Tiso and Halinka had some strife. While Halinko remained a hardliner, Tiso was one of the more politically skilled Ludaks who favored gradual autonomy and cooperation with other parties. Since the Ludaks were such a small faction, Tiso wanted to form a coalition with a larger party. They'd have to make compromises, but if their coalition gained a majority, they'd be able to exert real legislative power. In mid-1926, Halinka left Prague for a tour in the U.S., leaving Tiso in charge of the Ludak party in his absence. Tiso seized the opportunity to open negotiations with the center-right agrarian party. Eventually, a deal was reached and a coalition government was formed, with the agrarians taking the lead. The liberals and the socialist members of parliament, no longer in the majority, were forced into the opposition. It was a major achievement for Tiso, and as a reward, he was named the Minister of Public Health and Physical Education. But to some, it seemed Tiso was too willing to compromise on Slovak autonomy to benefit himself. This angered hardline party leaders like radical rising star Wojciech Tuka. Even by Ludak standards, Wojciech Tuka was an extremist. He organized the Ludak's first parliamentary group, the Rodobrana. From the start, Tiso disliked the Rodobrana and saw them as more trouble than they were worth. It didn't take long for their aggressive, militant tactics to get them banned from the party. Thus, Tuka became Tiso's foremost political rival during the mid-1920s. He regarded Tiso as soft on Slovak autonomy and constantly looked for ways to undermine him. On January 1, 1928, Tuka attempted his biggest power move yet. 
He published an article claiming there was a secret clause in the 1918 Czechoslovakian Declaration of Independence that stated if Slovakia did not achieve autonomy within 10 years, Czechoslovakia would cease to exist. This was an obvious lie intended to stir up rebellion. In response, Tiso sought to expel Tuka from the party. However, Hlinka refused, causing more turmoil between the two leaders. Nevertheless, Tuka was charged with treason and sentenced to 15 years in prison. Unfortunately, Tuka's actions had already heavily damaged the Ludak's grip on parliamentary power. In the 1928 elections, the Ludaks lost their parliamentary majority, and Tiso lost his position as a cabinet minister. Still, throughout the early 1930s, Tiso remained in politics. He attempted to form alliances with other parties, even his longtime rivals, the Social Democrats. In Tiso's mind, the only way to achieve the goal of Slovak autonomy was through compromise and collaboration. But this moderate approach didn't mesh with a new generation of Ludaks who were increasingly becoming more radical. This rising group, collectively known as the Young Ludaks, were brash, loud, ultra-nationalists who had no problem challenging Tiso's authority. They openly criticized Tiso's gradual tactics, and more importantly, they had the ear of the aging Hlinka. By 1936, Tiso finally began to rethink his moderate approach. But it wasn't just the young Ludaks who inspired him to change. He was also influenced by the rise of fascism sweeping across Europe. When Adolf Hitler seized power in Germany in 1933, Tiso mostly ignored the situation. He publicly condemned fascism, but he was more concerned about communism on the left than the authoritarian right. But in 1936, Spain erupted in a bloody civil war which pitted fascists against leftists. And when Tiso heard reports that the Soviet-backed leftists were murdering priests and purging religious symbolism, he was scared. This fear struck close to home as leftists in Slovakia gained more seats in parliament, threatening Catholicism with secular policies. With the lack of results from all his compromises, Tiso was disillusioned with Czechoslovakian democracy. Though he refused to embrace fascism, he was increasingly authoritarian in his speeches. He consistently denounced Czechoslovakia as a false democracy and ramped up his calls for Slovak autonomy. By the late 1930s, the Ludaks adopted more fascist, Nazi-inspired iconography for banners and symbols. Tiso embraced radical Ludak slogans such as at the price of the republic and one nation, one party, one leader. That one leader, of course, was Josef Tiso. In 1938, the Ludaks decided it was the year for Slovak autonomy, no matter the cost. 20 years had passed since Czechoslovakia's declaration of independence and yet, Slovaks still didn't have true autonomy. Just a few months into the year, the Ludaks were presented with a new, formidable ally, Adolf Hitler. In March 1938, Nazi troops entered Austria and within a day, annexed the country into Germany. 
The annexation of Austria was part of Hitler's goal of uniting all Germans across Europe into a single nation. And with Austria taken, Hitler set his sights on another country, Czechoslovakia. The northern, western, and southern edges of Czechoslovakian territory, known as the Sudetenland, contained a high concentration of Germans. And although they were Czechoslovakian citizens, the Sudetenland Germans were treated like a lower class, much like the Slovaks. Throughout the 1930s, these Germans increasingly joined the Sudeten German Party, which became synonymous with the Nazis. Hitler encouraged the SGP to fiercely agitate against the Czechs. Hitler's desire to claim the Sudetenland was obvious to all, including Tiso. But Tiso wasn't quite sure what a German invasion would mean for Slovaks. If war was going to erupt, he wanted a back door out of the chaos. That May, Tiso met with Hungarian delegates about the possibility of Slovakia rejoining Hungary. Of course, only if it meant Slovak autonomy. In a sign of duplicity and desperation, Tiso made the same offer to Poland. He was weighing his options, and that meant playing both sides. Tiso's talks with Hungary and Poland amounted to nothing, which made the political minefield all the more dangerous. If war broke out, Tiso needed to make sure he ended up on the winning side. And as time went on, that side seemed to be the Nazis. By September, Hitler demanded Nazi control of the Sudetenland immediately. Fearing a German invasion, the Czechoslovakian government in Prague began to mobilize troops. But Tiso and most of the Ludaks questioned whether it was prudent to send Slovak troops to fight. After all, Hitler seemed to be a problem for the Czechs, not the Slovaks. The situation took a peaceful turn in mid-September 1938, when the British Prime Minister, with France's backing, offered to negotiate a deal with Hitler in the hope of preventing violence. Eventually, Italy also joined the conversation. Nobody wanted a repeat of World War I. On September 29th, all four countries agreed to let the Nazis enter the Sudetenland. Instead of the outright destruction of Czechoslovakia, the Germans were allowed to simply annex the disputed territory. The other nations hoped this appeasement would stop Hitler's apparent quest to rule all of Europe. The next day, the Czechoslovakian parliament was informed of the agreement between the other four countries. Czechoslovakia could either peacefully give up the lands to Hitler or resist. But if they chose resistance, neither Britain nor France would support them. The abandonment by Britain and France was a complete shock to everyone in Prague. For the Czechs, it meant there was a high chance that the Nazis would eventually take over the entire republic. But for the Ludaks, this signaled a major opportunity to finally achieve Slovak autonomy. The Czechs were weak, and the Slovaks could pounce. About a week later, the Ludaks met with all the other Slovak political parties in Jelina to discuss Slovakia's future. By the end of the conference, they had signed the Jelina Agreement, agreeing to form an autonomous Slovak government. On October 7th, Tiso traveled to Prague with the Slovaks' terms. With the Czech government practically in shambles, they had no choice but to acquiesce. 
Prague officially recognized Slovak autonomy. Tiso was declared premier of the region and given power to form a new government. After 20 years, the Slovaks had achieved their goal of autonomy. And in a roundabout way, it was all thanks to the Nazis. Unfortunately for Tiso, Hitler's ambitions wouldn't end at partitioning off Czechoslovakia. This was merely the beginning. And if Tiso wanted to keep the power he'd just won, he would have to fully embrace fascism. Thanks for listening to Dictators. Next week, we'll explore Josef Tiso's tumultuous relationship with Adolf Hitler and Slovakia's role in the Holocaust. Among the many sources we used, we found priest-politician collaborator Josef Tiso and the Making of Fascist Slovakia by James Mace Ward incredibly helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Dictators is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Dictators was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Andrew Messer and Kate Gallagher, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Bradley Klein. Dictators stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rossner. The only way to get to heaven was to allow him sexual activity with me. These are not the people that you would normally associate with a cult. Do you think I need to be worried for my safety? I definitely think you should be prudent. This is Revelations, a Spotify original from Parcast, premiering Sunday, October 3rd.